0: hello and welcome to ladies and red and Arsenal women's podcast my name is lauren and today we have plenty to talk about so this episode is coming out a bit later than planned I'm very sorry about that but Don't worry, we have a lot to cover (laughs) over the past two weeks, the good, the bad and the ugly. So what's on the agenda for this week's episode? Well, we have the final developments of the January transfer window, some surprise news, um, some comings and goings for Arsenal, and of course, two WSL games over the past two weekends to go through. Both games were away, first against Liverpool and the second against West Ham. So let's start with the good. Let's start with that game against Liverpool. Um, As I said in our previous episode, it was a must-win game uh, after Liverpool took the Three points off us in the opening game of the season. That was, of course, a shock result. But Liverpool are doing pretty well this season. Um, They're doing a lot better than I expected them to be doing. That being said, in a WSL title race, you can't really be losing that many games, and especially to non-title contenders. Two of our losses prior to this game had come against Liverpool and Spurs, both teams sitting in 5th and 6th respectively, uh, so in allowing another three points to drop against them really wasn't an option. It was uh, Jonas Eidevald's 100th game in charge of the Gunners and Liverpool were coming in to the game on the back of two massive 5-1 defeats at the hand of at the hands excuse me, of Manchester City and Chelsea. So let's have a look at our starting 11 on the day. We had Zinsberger in goal, back four of uh, Emily Fox with Moy, Illestad and Katie McCabe. Valti, Plova and Miedema were in that midfield trio, with Miedema sitting a bit higher up in that number 10 position. We had meet on the right, forward on the left, and Russo through the middle. Now, it's definitely worth noting as well that Lee Williamson started the game uh, on the bench, and she was an new sub throughout the game. The first half was fairly uneventful, with Arsenal enjoying almost all of the possession, really. Liverpool were very, very disciplined in defending. Katie McKay put in a dangerous ball, which curled in a very similar manner to her World Cup goal. Uh, it was probably intended as a cross, but it forced the keeper to push it out for a corner. Ford, just before halftime, skipped out to the defender on the right-hand side, sending a very inviting ball in, which caused a bit of commotion in the Liverpool six-yard box, but was ultimately also dealt with. The breakthrough came in the 60th minute. Emily Fox carried the ball past three players in her own half, driving well up. On the right-hand side, her pass found Miedema a good 30 yards out from goal, but she was in plenty of space. She then had enough time to set herself up with a shot from outside the box. And, well, you know, what more can we say? The finish was brilliant. Although it probably did take slight deflection of the back of one of the Liverpool defenders. This was, of course, her 1st goal go-back since being out with her injury. In total, the Dutch forward missed 310 days of action due to her ACL injury. Um, And yeah, I think it's fair to say she definitely had a bit of a slower return to her form, let's say, than me did, for example. Um, And you could really see how much that goal meant to her. Uh, Post-match, in an interview, she was smiling and generally looked really, really happy with her performance and goal. She said, it's been a long time coming. I've been feeling really good in training. I've been scoring a lot of goals. But to then do it here, obviously, in the league again, it's a really nice feeling. I wanted to use the winter break as a reset and then come back in and start being me again and that's exactly what I've done. I feel better, I'm less scared and I think in the last couple of games you can see that I've started creating a lot uh, of things for others. So yeah, phenomenal goal, really, really, really is. It's actually been nominated for goal of the month as well. Just want to say superb uh, assist by Emily Fox. We're going to talk a bit more about her as we go on but I think for me the It feels as though she really needed that goal for her confidence. Like she said herself, she, she looked like a different player on the pitch since we've come back really from, from the winter break. And yeah, I think it will only do her confidence the world of good. Obviously coming back from an injury like that is, you know, it's not linear. It's, there's going to be ups and downs in her return, but thankfully she got her first goal back. Um. After she scored, it did look as though we were on track for a few more goals. Emily Fox helped to set up Arsenal's second and final goal of the game, which came in the 69th minute. The right-back inverted after picking the ball up on her wing and sent a very clever ball through between the lines for Russo to run onto. She sent the ball across the box for Ford to tap it in for her third goal in as many games. After that, while Liverpool did manage to get one chance away, the real threat came from Arsenal, particularly Blaxtinius, who was unable to convert any more of the chances that we had. The game ended 2-0 with Fox picking up a very well-deserved player of the match award on her second WSL start and Katie McCabe picking up her fifth yellow of the season for time-wasting uh, when she was up for Cutley Kat- in the 72nd minute. It definitely was an unnecessary booking, but it was probably deliberate in order for her to be able for our game against, uh, sorry, for for her to be available for our game against Manchester United, which is in the Emirates, meaning she would miss our game against West Ham. So I think it was tactical um, because it was a really, really bizarre yellow card, it definitely looked deliberate, anyway uh, going through some of the stats from that game, Arsenal had seventy six, seven, sorry, 67% possession Liverpool 33, shots we had 14, 7 of which were on target, they had 5, only 1 of which was on target we had 9 corners in the game and they had none, so I think overall it was a fairly comprehensive win definitely what we needed after that first game out against them at the start of the season let's have a look at the other results in the WSL that weekend, Chelsea bet Brighton away 3-0 Manchester United bet Villa 2-1 Everton lost at home to Leicester City Bristol City also lost at home to West Ham United they picked up uh, the three points in a 2-1 win over their relegation partner shall we say West Ham then had a bit of a bit of a bit of a cushion uh, from the relegation zone on the back of that and Manchester City bet Spurs Away to nil. So looking at the table, then Chelsea sit atop with 31 points, Manchester City with 28, um, and Arsenal with 28, but goal difference Manchester City sit second. In fourth place, we had uh, United on 21 points, Liverpool and Spurs in fifth and sixth respectively, both on 18 points. Leicester uh, with 13 points in 7th, uh, Aston Villa were in 8th with 12 points, Ninth and 10th we had Everton and Brighton with 11 points both each, West Ham's win against Bristol meant that they were up to 11th place with 8 points above Bristol City in that relegation zone in 12th with 5 points, so yeah. um kind of rushed through that game there, but it was a comprehensive win for Arsenal. I think there was no real shocks in the league that week. Again, big, big result for West Ham United, who obviously were to face Arsenal the week after. We're going to talk about that game in a lot more detail. But um, yeah, I think comprehensive win against Liverpool. Great to see. Great to see Miedema coming back into her best, shall we say. Um, And one other thing as well is Emily Fox. She's been stellar since signing. So let's move on to... Some of the final business in the transfer window, shall I say, I was obviously um, a little bit naive when I said that would be it, that we wouldn't see any more players coming in or leaving, how wrong I was. So starting with the players who came in, or rather the player who came in, we're talking about Sarah Buhadi, and despite... Zinsberger's contract extensions, which many, including myself, saw as a definitive sign that Arsenal would not be looking for another keeper in this or in the following transfer window. French goalkeeper Sarah Bouhadi is signed on a short term deal until the end of the season. The 37 year old, who is a free agent, is set to provide some healthy competition and hopefully some very invaluable experience for our goalkeeping pair of Zinsberger and D'Angelo. Speaking about joining Arsenal, she said, I'm delighted to be joining Arsenal to become part of this great club. Arsenal has had uh, has so much history across both the men's and women's teams, and I've always admired the club. I can't wait to get started now. we Gladys spent 13 years in total at Lyon, and just listened to some of the incredible, incredible um, honours that she's won. So in total, there was 27 major honours. That includes 11 French League, Titles, eight Women's Champions Leagues and eight French Domestic Cups. So, Coupe de France Feminine. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, she was named the IFFHS World's Best Women's Goalkeeper from 2016 to 2018 and the Best FIFA Goalkeeper in 2020. After Leon Sin, she played for Paris Saint-Germain in the 2022-23 20, season. So, yeah. Um, like I said, she came as a free tra- uh, f- free agent so she wasn't with the club at the start of the season that being said um look she's definitely not a long-term solution we know that um which I think a lot of us would have been hoping for her signing does bring a much needed injection of valuable experience into the club however especially given the struggles that we face in that position throughout the season I mean it hasn't been it's been no secret really that we've been struggling in the goalkeeper department. The question for me arises whether it would have been better to opt for a younger goalkeeper, you know, develop a young goalkeeper as a long-term solution. I'm not really sure about that. Um, alternatively, of course, we could have gone all out for an established goalkeeper like Mary Earps or Ellie Roebuck, who seemed poised to leave United and City respectively. Um, I think that could have been a much better move personally but nevertheless I think Bohadi is going to bring in like I said many many times a lot of really really great experience and hopefully she's going to help sinsberger get her get her confidence back in goal Um, it's definitely a balancing act of immediate needs and long-term planning and I think like I said it, it does seem very unlikely that we're going to get Mary Earps in now so I think this was the short-term solution in order to get a bit more confidence into our back line to be able to use the experience that that um, Hadi is going to bring would love to see her start in a few games I was quite surprised to see that she hadn't she hasn't even been on the well she hadn't excuse me there's only been one game since um since we signed her which was the West Ham game but she wasn't on the bench there I think it's very likely that we're going to see her in our Conte Cup tie against the London City Lionesses for example even on the bench Um because I just feel as though really th- there's not much we can lose in the goalkeeping department this season so why not take a chance why not use it obviously it's not ideal she hasn't been with the club for the start of the season but she has a wealth of experience there that I think we could really rely on and use particularly coming into the crunch end of the season and um yeah when we get to that West Ham game you're going to see that reoccurring issues are coming up again so yeah i think it was an interesting signing for sure i hope we can really really utilize her utilize her experience and i hope she does get featured in a few games um In addition to players coming in, we also saw another player leave. That was, of course, Jen Beattie, devastating on February the 2nd. We thought, you know, we'd escaped all the drama of the transfer window with our hearts intact. But then the rumours came flooding in that Beattie would be leaving Arsenal. And later that day, it was confirmed. A statement on the Arsenal website reads, Jen departs with our deepest respect and gratitude for over eight years of service. 32-year-old first joined in 2009, winning one league title and two FA Cups, two league Cups as well, before moving to Montpellier, Man City and Melbourne City. Jen returned to North London in 2019 and has been an integral part of her club ever since. Jen bought great experience leadership throughout the second spell and helped us to win the League Cup in the 22-23 season. She also played a key role in our UEFA Women's Champions League run last year, winning player of the match in the first leg of the semi-final against Wolfsburg in Germany before scoring in front of a sold-out Emirates Stadium crowd as we narrowly missed out on a spot in the final. Jen successfully overcame breast cancer in 2020 and was later presented with the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Helen Rolison Award for Outstanding Achievements in the Face of Adversity. She was also awarded an MBE in the New Year Honours List 2023 for service to football and charity. In total, Jen made 166 appearances for us, scoring 33 goals along the way. So Jen is off to join BFC in the N. WSL, that is Bay Football Club, which is an expansion team and 2024 will actually be their first season, so BD was not the only player that they were able to attract from Europe before going into their inaugural season but uh, Oshawa um, from Barcelona, also joined them. She, uh, Oshawala Adel, she played for Arsenal during the 16-17 season. The Nigerian strikers are arguably the best African female player of all time and one of the best strikers in the world, undoubtedly. Um, so I just want to say that there's some phenomenal signings there for BFC. They're definitely leaning on players who um, have a lot of experience, who are well-versed, and I think um, yeah, really, really exciting team that they have, that they're building there. Um, and of course I definitely look forward to seeing Jem Beattie playing up top with Oshawa if they need a, a late minute winner but um, the, the only thing I can say there is absolutely devastating to see her go, I think it makes sense with um, Williamson coming back from injury obviously we got in two new centre backs during the summer in Illestad and uh, Kodina so I can kind of understand it from her and Obviously, she wants to be playing football. She wants to be playing week in, week out. And I just don't think at the moment that Arsenal could offer that to Jen Beattie. Again, in saying that, what an absolute legend. Um, there's only been, you know, good said about her since she's left from, from everyone in the club, from all the fans. Devastating to see her go. Such, such an important player. And I just want to say that game against uh, Wolfsburg last season in <laughs> the Champions League, particularly the game at home, uh, her scoring that goal and absolutely knocking uh, Alex Pop to the ground like Alex Pop is not a small woman she does not go down easily and <laughs> it was a great moment so yeah delighted that she gets to continue on her her journey and yeah I mean if why not do it somewhere sunny why not do it somewhere exciting like that so all the best to her on her journey so we've gone through the good and I guess the sad. Now it's time to get on to the bad and the ugly and that is of course our game against West Ham. No spoilers here but it was probably one of the worst games of our season and undoubtedly our worst result. Um, I mean, as I mentioned before West Ham had just last week beaten Bristol City who sit at the very, very bottom of the table to go three points above them to give them a bit of a cushion from um, the relegation zone. So yeah, like I said, I'm not trying to ruin anything before I get into the game, but just to give you a bit of context before we go any further. So let me run through the team. Like I said, McKay was out through her suspension and we saw Leah Williamson getting her first do yourself start since her injury. So we had Zinsberger and Goal, Fox, Moy Williamson and Catley. Uh, other than that, we are completely unchanged from the Liverpool game with Valti, Palova, Midema, Mead, Ford and Russo all lining up. Uh, Again, it's also worth mentioning that West Ham were lined up super defensively, super, super defensively at the back five, which is going to become important as we go through the game and some of the tactics. So, yeah, Arsenal looked the better team in the first half. Of course, we enjoyed the majority of the possession and we were the only team really to create any chances. Despite Arsenal's aggression, West Ham remained composed and organised defensively. Russo and Minima both had opportunities to find the back of the net, but neither were successful. In the 43rd minute, however, Russo was able to hit the ball in from a corner when she found herself in acres of space at the back post, uh, breaking the deadlock and sending the Gunners into halftime 1-0 up. Also worth mentioning as well, in the first half, there was a penalty shout. Um, definitely good grounds for it, I would say, when the ball came in from a corner and it bounced between bodies in the box, hitting about three different hands. It was waved off by the ref who, one, either didn't see it or two, felt that there was a little ground to award it on, given how tightly packed the space was. I don't know. I personally would have said, had we have had VAR, had we had that checked, you know, it was, of course, a very tight space. The hands were near the body, but hitting three hands, for me, it's not really excusable. And I think that should have been checked and a penalty should have been awarded there. Second half came and Lee Williamson did come off at the start of the half, making way for Illichte. I think it was probably a tactical move. Uh, there was no talk of her being injured or anything, so I think it was just to give her, you know, her first start. Personally, I think that was where the the wheels kind of came off. Um, for us, shall I say, West Ham came out fighting in the second half, and in the 50th minute, they were awarded a penalty for foul by Catley, who was wrong sided by the attacker. Now, there was no question that it was a foul, however. Did it happen in the box or was it slightly outside? It was hard to see. And again, it would have been a decision that would have benefited from a VAR intervention. Regardless, the penalty was taken and scored, levelling things up once again. Um, Yeah, West Ham only had to wait about eight minutes then before they went ahead for the first time in the match. They were awarded a free kick in Arsenal's half. It was a decent delivery. I'll give them that, into the box, but Zinsberger was first to get there, well off her line. Rather than catching it, however, she just punched it out. It was a pretty pathetic punch. Um, it didn't even get out, out of the Arsenal box. Um, and it fell straight into the path. of Sizosko who fired it into the top corner. Now, it was no denying it was a very good finish, but again, another big, big error by the keeper to cause us a goal, and in this case, to cause us three points. Well, am I going to blame the keeper? Am I going to blame the attackers? That's another thing. Uh, We had a flurry of chances shortly after the host went ahead. Mead Mead and Plova came off for Blackstinius, Lacasse and Cross. I felt like, yeah, I just felt like it wasn't the best decision because Mead had had some of the best chances, particularly in the first half and Mead looked as though she was starting to break down their defensive lines a bit, you know, quite well too. A few chances came then after that, but really there was nothing, you know, a few chances from Russo, the cast looked pretty good when she came on, but there was nothing definitive that would have won us the game, obviously. Um, so just how did Arsenal lose? Why did Arsenal lose would be my question. And I have a bit of a theory that a problem of Arsenal's is underestimating their opponents. Um, it's Arsenal's third loss, third loss in the WSL this season. No team who has lost three games has ever gone on to lift the trophy at the end of the campaign. So does this mean that our WSL dream is over for this season. When we look at the teams that Arsenal have lost against, we see they're not title rivals like I mentioned earlier. Um, they're mid-table teams and in this case, the team hovering just above relegation. So is there an element of Arsenal underestimating their opponents? <sighs> Maybe that game against Liverpool at the start of the season was a bit of an outlier. You know, we did see in our pre-season Champions League qualifiers that the team was struggling post-World Cup and with the new addition. So I think... You know, maybe in the Liverpool game, it was a similar case of the team trying to gel together and um, a bit of fatigue from, from a very busy summer of international duties as well. Our loss to Spurs came just before Christmas, having barely beaten them in the County Cup a week before. And this loss against West Ham seems to be a case of, to me, not really respecting the opposition enough and just expecting to win. I'm going to talk about Arsenal's inability to adapt to the opposition's tactics in just a moment, but even in games that Arsenal have struggled to come, you know, they have they've struggled to get the win in, but they have got the win in. There's been a lot of games where it's come right down to the wire and we were lucky, in a sense, to get the wins, you know. Thinking back to games like Villa or Bristol in the first half of the season, um, but this game, this this West Ham game, is a perfect example of just how and why we weren't able to rely on luck and rely on quality to do that. Going back to the point of underestimating our opposition, um, when you look at how we performed against our title contenders or teams who were being spoken about, about being there, thereabouts at the start of the season, we drew against Manchester City, uh, Manchester United away in the second game of the season. That was, of course, a late equaliser from the cast, but we did come away with one point in that. We bet City 2-1 at home. And of course, that comprehensive win against Chelsea... Uh, where we bet them 4-1 at the Emirates so I do fear there's some games that we're going into where we're a little bit too confident cocky maybe and maybe that's coming back to bite us and in all games that we've lost we've only lost by a one goal margin but still it's not enough we need to take the chances um, that we get and as I said I want to talk a little bit about our strategic struggle against the low block so I think that's another thing that we have to to consider the teams that we've beaten so the title contender shall we call them they play very openly they play they stick to their their game plan shall we say whereas teams who play maybe don't have as much quality as Arsenal do let's put it that way are going to be more defensive they're going to play with the low block um, when they come up come up against us it's been a reoccurring issue this season in my opinion and Arsenal's inability to deal with or adapt to playing against low block has really, really, really put us in some sticky situations. West Ham were an example of a team who played extremely tightly and compact with 10 players behind the ball. And it seemed just whenever Arsenal were attacking that they were completely, completely um, out of space. There was no space for them to really run into to create things. That being said, um, you know, there is ways to deal with that. Quick passes, movement of the ball, creating space, making the most of set pieces. And we did absolutely none of that in this game, apart from that one goal that we got from Russo, really. The players were slow in the transition. Um, there was no overlapping on the wings. There was no movement of the ball to really create any space or options for the players with the ball. And there was no adapting to different formation or plan when it proved that it wasn't working. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is more of an ongoing issue rather, one, rather than one that's specific to this game. That being said, in this game, we weren't able to overcome a team who are barely hanging on above relegation spot and that's what hurts the most. That's why it really is the eye-opener for me. It just feels like there's no plan B or C when we're in those positions and we're really relying on moments of brilliance, on moments of creativity to win games, um... And that's happened many times. But yesterday was, a, was an example of a little bit too little too late. And just, it was a frustrating watch. Let me put it that way. There was no player really looked like they wanted to win it. There was no, there was no sense of leadership. I think Katie McKay was absolutely missed in that game. Leah Williamson in the first half did well. She communicated. It just, it was a very frustrating 90 minutes of football. So Yeah. I don't know I do think Arsenal have the quality to win most games even when teams play with the low block but yesterday just seemed like a game or not yesterday it was a few days ago it seemed like a game where we just ran out of steam we ran out of ideas and we were just waiting on someone to have a moment of brilliance have a moment of excellence we did waste a lot of chances as well but I don't know that's why I kind of fear questioning Zinsberger did she really cost us the game or was it russo medium are not taking their chances to be honest i think it's you know you can't pick individual players it's it's a team that goes out there at the end of the day and i think management needs to be questioned as well why do we stick to a game plan that's clearly not working when it can be adapted mid-game we've seen other teams do it so why can't we where does that leave us well let's have a look at the other results from the weekend um on Friday, Aston Villa and Bristol drew 2-2. Not a bad result for Bristol, picking up a vital point in their relegation battle. Um, United bet Brighton 2-0. Obviously, we had the West Ham-Arsenal game. West Ham won 2-1 in that. City, Leicester, City won um, 2-0. Liverpool and Spurs, that was a 1-1 draw. Again, that's really tight there. Fifth and sixth spot there. Both teams are fighting, probably looking to push for Champions League football next year. And Chelsea were 3-0 victors over Everton. So how is the table looking now? Well, there's been a significant change, obviously, with Arsenal dropping points. Not so much in positions, but in terms of points um, there. So Chelsea are top with 34 points. City, second with 31. Arsenal now third with 28. United in fourth with 24. Liverpool, fifth. Uh, Spurs 6 both on 19 points Leicester City are then in 7th, Aston Villa in 8th West Ham ninth, thanks to their victory that's brought them up from 11th so Everton Faldon 10th Brighton are in 11th and Bristol City are in 12th Arsenal are 6 points behind leaders Chelsea, it's a lot of ground to cover I'm not going to lie, of course we can beat them when we go and play them away it's, we have a good chance there but we are relying on another team to beat them also and Chelsea are on a phenomenal run of form it's obviously Emma Hayes last season I think there's a lot of emotion there they will be trying to go on and push for the title at the moment our best bet is of course City who are in second they are currently three points ahead of Arsenal and I believe they are playing this weekend if I'm not mistaken as a neutral it's a super exciting season just not for the top teams, but like completely throughout the league. Um, some really exciting battles as I mentioned. There, Liverpool and Spurs are neck and neck, and then from seventh all the way to eleventh, there's only two points separating the sides, which is insane. Bristol City sit five points behind eleventh and are currently in the relegations. zone, as I mentioned, I do think it's going to be hard for them to get to get out of that position. Um, but that being said, it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. Um given how things are shaping up and I think as I mentioned you know they're they're only five points behind 11th place but up to ninth place as well so West Ham, Everton, Brighton, Bristol sorry Brighton, Bristol are 12 so West Ham, Everton and Brighton are then ninth to 11th and they are only five points ahead so everything can change still of course um I do think Bristol do have a very difficult uphill battle against them though. So, what is coming up for Arsenal? Getting back to us. It's a tough run of games, I'm not going to lie. So, tonight, so I'm recording this on 7th of February, we do have our um, Conti Cup knockout stage game against London City Lionesses. Uh, we also have the FA Cup then next weekend. Arsenal take on Manchester City at home. I think that's going to be a very telling game for the rest of the season. It's a crucial game. Obviously, it's, an, it's a nasty run to have, but sorry a nasty game to have so early on but you have to face them at some stage And why not face them now then in the Super League we have Manchester United at home international break and then we have Spurs at home and then Chelsea away really tough run for our next five games absolutely um, am I worried to be honest I wouldn't say I am it is undeniably a really difficult run, a very, very difficult run of games. Um, we do have the international break in the middle as well. So hopefully we don't pick up any injuries there. Generally speaking, though, these are the type of games that Arsenal can perform well in. Um, even going up against Spurs, I think that they're going to have a bit of a drive in them from dropping points in the first half of the season. Um. I think London City Lionesses as well is going to be an interesting game. Hopefully we get a bit of rotation in that game, but I think, you know, given the fact that they're champion championship side, that we should be able to get the win there. But who knows? Honestly, who knows? (laughs) These games are 100% a great opportunity to save the season. It sounds a little bit dramatic, but... It's crunch time now. We cannot afford to lose any more games and we have to try and put a dent in, in Chelsea's run, in City's run when we come up against them that's later in, in the season, in the league. But, you know, if we knock them out of the cup, then hopefully it knocks their confidence a bit as well. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's going to be difficult. We definitely have our work cut out for us and it's going to require a lot of, a lot of discipline and taking chances when they come. And that's not just goalkeeping it's also our attacking players who need to take chances need to be a bit more clinical because I think as much as we complain about our defensive line as much as we complain about the defensive errors that have been made this season we have wasted an awful lot of opportunities going forward and that needs to be addressed as well so yeah hopefully that's not too negative a, a, a note to end on Um overall it doesn't it doesn't feel great but nothing's over until it's over we still have a chance in WSL it's an incredibly open season this year maybe this is going to be the first time that a team who's lost three games goes on to win it I don't know looking unlikely but as long as we can keep our heads and keep pushing and I think if it does get to the point where it seems unrealistic we have to go push for second place we have to try and ensure that we're in the easiest route to Champions League football as as possible next season and look we're still in all our domestic cups um yeah, it's not the end of the world. So let's try and stay positive there. So next week we will be covering, of course, the two cup games, which would be um, London City-Lionesses in the Conti Cup and the game against Manchester City. Yeah, I think that's about all that we have to talk about today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as always. If you did, please like it please subscribe please do whatever you need to do to keep this going I'm really sorry if this was a bit off I am battling the flu today so (laughs) hopefully it isn't too crazy hopefully this is comprehensive as well Um, and thank you very much for listening to my rant about Arsenal's inability to break down the low block because really it does give me nightmares but let's stay positive let's stay happy and yeah see you all again next week thank you so much for listening bye